everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Busy Mom Podcast. My name is Heidi St. John. Today is Monday, February 29th, and it's Mailbox Monday, one of my favorite days of the week here at the podcast. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer a question or at least try to touch on a question that I get a lot here at the podcast, and that is the question of what do you do when you have an unbelieving spouse. So this mom, um, I'm actually kind of mixing up three requests that have come to me. I'm going to be touching on an unbelieving spouse. And also, what do you do when you just don't get along and when you've got kind of an unhappy home? So if that's you, or if you know someone who is in that situation, stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So you guys, this is the week. This is the week that I head to Dayton. We've been talking about this for months here at the podcast. I can't wait, honestly. I think this is going to be one of the best uh, MomStrong conferences that we have had to date. And uh, my family and I fly out at O-Dark 30 uh, to Minneapolis and then on to Dayton on this Thursday. So I am excited to see you guys come on out. If you haven't gotten your tickets yet, you can still do that. You can also register at the door, but boy, it helps us a lot if we know how much food we need to get all that kind of stuff. So come on out. Uh, We are going to have an incredible time of just worshiping the Lord together. Um, I want to just remind those of you who have not yet joined MomStrong International, we are rocking and rolling over there. God is doing an incredible thing, and I am getting ready to start the next month, and it's not too late to get on. And in fact, you can sign up anytime you want to, but the February Scripture Writing Challenge is going to continue focusing on the book of John. And we've been reading through the book of John and studying him. um, And just, I love, and actually we're going to come up on John chapter nine, one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible, because God is in the business of transforming lives. And I hope that that's what you're seeing happening at MomStrong International. So some of you have asked me uh, to explain it a little bit better, and I'm not going to take a lot of time to do that today. Uh, But I want to just say that the heart behind it is to encourage you to know the word of God for yourself, to let the scripture interpret scripture instead of the culture interpreting it for you or seeing the scriptures through the lens of what's happening around you. You learn to trust in the authority and the autonomy of the word of God. And that's really what we're doing. So uh, at MomStrong International, for about the price of a drip coffee every week, you will get an incredible uh, Bible study that you can either print yourself or use. It's been formatted for your iPad or your phone, um, but it's not a, a wishy-washy little uh, devotional. It's an actual Bible study that's going to help you know the Lord better. And so we're really excited to see so many of you signed up over there. So if you haven't done that yet, please do it. Share this podcast with your friends. On Wednesday, I'm going to be going through um, another MomStrong International Bible study, and every week I pick just a section of that. So if that's an encouragement to you, I promise the Bible study is going to just blow your socks off. You're going to love it. So I want to just encourage you to do that. All right, today, uh, like I always do on Mondays, it's Mailbox Monday, and I'm going to be talking to a mom in particular who's asked to be anonymous, but I want to blend her letter in with letters that I get almost every week from women who are very unhappy in their marriages for one reason or another. And this particular mom, her, uh, her letter to me stuck out because... She has touched on so many different things, so many different aspects of the marriage relationship. So I want to just uh, warn you, this is kind of Heidi St. John unedited. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about marriage today. So if you're listening with little ones, I just want I just want you to know that I'm probably not going to pull any punches. 
and I, I'm hoping it leaves you with a better idea of what your responsibility is before the Lord and really what the devil is after in the grand scheme of things. And so if you guys have been married for more than you know five minutes, then you know that it has its ups and downs and you know it can be difficult. Um, but sadly, I get letters from, from women all the time who are in relationships with men who are not believers. Sometimes I hear from men who are in relationships with their wives and their wives are unbelievers. But because my ministry is directed toward women, I hear more often uh, from the women. So I'll go ahead and read this one to you and then we'll jump right into it. Dear Heidi, for years, my husband and I have been at odds over a few major things. First off, I failed to listen to my own parents' godly advice when they warned me not to be yoked to an unbeliever. But now I find myself resentful and sad. My husband openly mocks my faith and I am forced to watch as he undermines the truth of God's word and directly contradicts what I believe and try to teach our children. I'm so hurt and lonely that I've stopped communicating with my husband and our home has become a very lonely and isolated place. Can you offer me any hope? Wow. Okay. So a couple of things that I, that, um, first of all, sweet mom, um, I hear you and I'm praying for you. And this, this particular hurt is such a painful thing to walk through, especially when you're trying to teach your children, children become pawns in marriages where, uh, the husband and wife are at odds with each other, particularly where issues of faith are concerned. I hear from very few people who manage to, uh, live without a lot of strife in their homes when things, when when matters of, of salvation are concerned, right? Because it's a big deal. And God says it's a big deal. But I just want to encourage you, you know, you uh, one of the things that you pointed off out, and I, I thought this was so good that you said, I failed to listen to my parents' godly advice when they warned me not to marry an unbeliever. This is so important. And for those of you who are listening, and you're at the jumping off place, or you're thinking about marrying an unbeliever, or you're thinking about dating an unbeliever, the Bible is so clear on this. Do not be unequally yoked. We, we're we not, my husband used to call it missionary dating. <laughs> In fact, a uh, long time ago, I'm trying to think, I'm looking across the table at him. He had a song that you wrote right in the late 80s, I think, or early 90s. It was called Missionary Dating. I should find, in fact, I will. I'll see if I can find the words of that song and put it up here for you. But it's something that we have taught our children uh, from the time that they are, that they start to notice, you know, members of the opposite sex, or they start to be, you know, thinking about dating, particularly as they get into their later teenage years. And we just tell them, listen, you're not there to be a missionary when you're talking about dating. We don't encourage and we don't, uh, and we don't support missionary dating. In other words, well, I'm going to date this person that's not a believer because he'll become a believer. Does that happen? Yes. Why? Because God is merciful and he sees, uh, he sees the human heart and he, he offers us mercy and shows us mercy. But I'll tell you what, more often than not, it's a disaster because God said, don't do that. God said, don't do it. It's not that he can't redeem it and it's not that he doesn't, but we want to encourage our children uh, toward a place of listening to God's word. So I'm going to just tell you exactly what this woman is saying. She recognizes that she failed to listen to her parents' godly counsel when they warned her not to marry an unbeliever. So just say no to missionary dating, all right? That's not why we date people. We are dating people because we want to grow old together in our relationship with the Lord and hopefully raise a family together, right? So now she's saying she's finding herself resentful and sad um, and that her husband, it sounds to me, and I hear this all the time, like it started off with him saying, listen, you know what? I don't believe that, but you have your faith and I'll support you. But then as you get older, oftentimes we, we dig our heels in and what 
was really sweet and, you know, uh, and seemed like it was going to work in the very beginning. Turns out now they're, you know, he's resentful because he doesn't understand why do you believe in God? And, it, you know, I don't want my children to believe in a fairy tale God. And she's going, no, the most real thing in my life is my relationship with the Lord. And so consequently, she's become uh, resentful and she's sad because she realizes that what she's trying to teach her children is being undermined by her spouse. And so her her answer to this, and it's it's understandable, but it's wrong. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna correct you on something, hopefully in a way that encourages you. But she's saying um, that she's so hurt and lonely that she stopped communicating with her husband, and as a result, their home has become very lonely, and she feels isolated. So, first of all, and we're gonna talk. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'm gonna start with Titus. Let's let me do that. So. The Bible talks a lot uh, to women in the book of Titus. I've I've studied Titus 2 with women all around the country uh, at speaking engagements. And let me just read to you Titus 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, which is what? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all from wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Let's skip down to 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-6. to six. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair or the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who have put their hope in God, used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters, and if you do what is right, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, this is really important. First of all, uh, Titus is telling us that we are supposed to be living self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the Lord's return. That's what we're doing. But if you go a little bit farther back in the book of Titus, you, you, you run into my favorite hashtag when I'm teaching women, and that is this, so that. It's the hashtag so that because you, you will always see a reason given when you are given instruction. And in the first part of Titus, in the very first chapter uh, of Titus, we see that we are supposed to be living these godly lives so that people who are watching us will be drawn to the Lord. And really, women, even if you're married, especially, I, I, I guess I would say, if you're married to a man who's unbelieving, you have an opportunity to be Jesus with skin on to him. You have the opportunity to model what it looks like to live in a in a um, in a Christ honoring relationship, even if your husband is not honoring Christ. Now, I just want to stop really quickly, and there's a caveat to this. And most of you who know me knew I was going to say this. I'm not talking to the woman who's being abused by her husband. I'm not talking to the woman who's being thrown down the stairs or hit, or whose husband is abusive toward her children. Um, that is, I don't believe for a moment that God has called us to live in those kinds of relationships. I am speaking to the woman whose husband is selfish and rude 
and uh, uncon- you know, inconsiderate, not listening to you, mocks your faith. I'm talking to you because I think we can make excuses for ourselves and we can say, you know what? This isn't worth it. And I talk to women all the time who say, you know what? I just, this isn't worth it. But God's saying it is worth it. And when we make a commitment as Christian women to our husbands, that commitment is for life. And it's not an easy thing sometimes to uh, to live out that life. But I'm telling you what, like I've been saying for years and years over here, you guys, there is a blessing in obedience. Blessing always follows obedience. And you'll notice that Peter used those words so that, right? When he was talking about uh, wives who are living with unbelieving husbands, he says, if any of you live with a man who doesn't believe the word, um, be submissive to him. Basically he's saying, be a godly wife anyway. Why? Here come those two words. So that he may be won over without words by your behavior because he sees the beauty of Christ being reflected through you. So it's important for us to remember that once we're married, um, barring you know abuse and adultery, once we're married, you guys, it's for life. We are called to live in relationship with our husband. Now you can't control your husband. If he leaves you, that's one thing. But I just want to encourage you in as much as it depends on you, according to Romans 12, 18, to live at peace with everyone, starting with your husband. So uh, the next part of this, uh, when she was talking about how she's frustrated because she's having to live with this man who undermines her faith, then she said she's so hurt and lonely that she stopped communicating with her husband. So essentially what I'm hearing um, and sweet mom, you can tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but what I'm hearing is you're giving your husband the silent treatment. All right. So can I just a moment of silence for every single one of us who has ever given our husband the silent treatment? That should probably be a really long moment of silence, <laughs> right? Because I've done it. I mean, there've been many times when I want my husband to help me with the dishwasher. And so my answer is slam the dishwasher shut, right? Rather than say, hey, could you help me with the dishwasher? I used to tell him, I say, you know, he would say, well, why didn't you ask me? And I would say, it ruins it. When I have to ask you, I want you to look around you and go, oh my goodness, my wife needs help with the dishes or my wife needs help, you know, with around the house or whatever. And so what we, what do we do? We respond out of our hurt and we respond in a way that makes us look childish and immature and does more damage to the relationship than good. Now, listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. So in case any of you think, oh, Heidi's got it all together, all, all I got to do is have a, well, a lot of you are going to see me here pretty quick. Just ask my husband. <laughs> he'd be, he'd be happy to tell you. All right. What what we're doing in marriage, hopefully, is growing, right? And we're we're having to go back and say, "Hey, I'm sorry. I did that wrong. I feel hurt, but I reacted to you in a way that wasn't it it, it doesn't reflect the woman that I want to be." So for those of you who are living with an with an unbelieving husband or or, or an ungodly husband and you say, "Hey, I know that Jesus wouldn't want me to behave this way and he's going to mock you." All you really have to do is say, "This is not the woman that I want to be." And I am so sorry. Please forgive me. And then do the best that you can to walk in a way that pleases the Lord. I read an article and I I fished it out. I finally found it. And I'm going to see if I can link back to it uh, today. This is out of World Magazine. And many of you have been following me for a long time. There's a couple of things. Well, there. Anyway, I don't always agree with World Magazine, but I do. I do really appreciate uh, the magazine being printed from a biblical, for the most part, what I would consider to be a biblical worldview, and. Uh, uh, Andrea Peterson writes for Voices. She has a, you know, a um, an art, you know, uh, she has a column in the back of the magazine. Almost every article that I have read, and this one comes from the May thirteenth edition. So some of you have World Magazine, and I want you to go ahead and just dig it out and uh, look it up. May thirteenth 
edition of, from 2017 of World Magazine, where she is talking about her own struggles in her marriage. And she's talking about confession and uh, learning from sin. And so she she kind of hits on a bunch of different things. But this was such a powerful article that I thought it would be, uh, I thought you guys would be encouraged by it. And I'll try to link back to it. Like I said, I'm pretty sure this is a subscription base. So uh, but, uh, can I just shout out World Magazine? Uh, but here's what she said. She's talking about um, learning from confessing our sins to one another. And she says, you know, I believe in God's purposes and confess your sins to one another are something like this. First and most obviously, we confess to the person we've sinned against. It would sound something like this. I'm sorry, I stole your stapler. <laughs> Please forgive me. We confess so that the church congregation won't be bathed in the aura of unreality where everyone is afraid he's the only person who's ever thrown his computer against the wall. We confess in order to help others by appraising them of potholes along the road of life that we ourselves have steered into and that we would spare them through that confession. It is this last motive that prompts me today. As a 65-year-old woman, I desire to warn those coming up behind me about certain choices that look like wisdom at the time, but have all hell to pay. While driving yesterday, I saw a schoolboy smoking a cigarette to the evident admiration of his companion. I wanted to stop and warn him, it's a trap. I should have. I confess that as a young woman, I thought the silent treatment would foster in my husband the attentiveness I considered my due. It did not. Not only did it not, but I found that choice hardened into habit and habit into character, and that I could scarcely quit even when I wanted to. Romans 6.16, do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are yourselves slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Hell came calling decades later, the day I thought we were having a pleasant family meal in a restaurant, and my son said, you and dad fought the whole time I was growing up. I hadn't thought he noticed that. But here it tarnished his childhood. Back then, I thought I could pull off punishing my husband while raising my children in the Christian faith. May I go on for two while we're at it? A second besetting past sin, I confess, is laziness and indulgence in entertaining all manner of ungodly, repetitive, and unproductive thought patterns without ever once in 30 years stopping to ask myself, is this a godly use of my mind? Are these not demonic thoughts? Oughtn't I stop to pray and ask God to take them away? Oughtn't I ought to apply an effort to resist them? These are two top-tier failings in my life. But what is interesting to me and I hope to you, is that there is a sin under the sin in both cases. It is the sin of unbelief. My problem was not ignorance, for I've always liked the Bible and enjoyed reading it. I knew what God says about love and forgiveness and not holding grudges. I knew what he says about fighting the good fight and taking captive every thought and demolishing all wrong mental case building. I just believed my way was, was superior at obtaining what I wanted out of life. God's word yet cries from the housetop, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. Choose life that you and your offspring may live. She finishes up by rightly pointing out that the power to do all this is already yours in Christ. I love the honesty of this woman. I love that she said, listen, this is what I did as a 65-year-old woman. I can look back and say, I, I gave my husband the silent treatment and it did not serve me well. And it did not serve her husband well either. 
So I just want to encourage you to, there, there is a blessing exactly like what we read in Romans and what she quoted again in her article that when we obey the Lord, there is a blessing that follows obedience. So three more things I'm going to encourage you with really quickly, and we're out of time today. Uh, the second thing, well, obviously the silent treatment's not okay. The next thing I wanted to say is reach out to in real life communities. Online is not enough. I am seriously stressed by Facebook and Twitter and all. I, I'm starting to think that it really is doing more harm than good. Uh, in the world right now, but unfortunately, that's kind of the mess of communication that we're that we're stuck with. The next thing is to be in the Word for yourself and praise the Lord at all times, even when you feel uh, resentful, especially when you feel resentful toward your husband. Praise the Lord. Praise Him through everything. Praise Him when you're waiting for answers to prayer. Praise Him when you have felt belittled and un uh, and unloved. Praise Him. And I'm telling you what, you guys, there is power in praising the Lord. There is power in prayer, power in the word of God. And then the last thing is to be faithful to what you know is true. I'm going to finish today's podcast by just reading again, Romans 12, verse 18. In as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The power that you need is already yours in Christ And you can do this, not through your own strength, but through the power of the one who saved you. I hope you guys have a fantastic Monday. I'm going to be coming back on Wednesday with a little snippet from the MomStrong International Bible Study. As always, if you've not left a review yet for the podcast at iTunes, we read every single one of those, and we would certainly love to read yours. And if you haven't left a review for Becoming MomStrong and the Becoming MomStrong Bible Study at Amazon... I'd love it if you would do that. And also, obviously, if you've never picked up the book, pick it up. I think it's going to change the way you see your role as a mom. Have a great Monday, everybody. I'll see you back here on Wednesday. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.